I heard the the main guy behind the swapper on a uh, on a podcast. I can't remember. Oh, what you show. had Kelly. Kelly, you asked Kelly about it, right? Oh, was it when Kelly? she was on. Okay, yeah, 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 that's yeah. Right. Kelly. Kelly was on our show. I'm an idiot. <laughs> there you go. Hey, welcome, <laughs> welcome to Rated <laughs> NA. The swapper. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is episode 129 of the Rated NA Podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. We're here with a special guest. We have Sean Baptiste from Firehose Games. Yes. Hang Hello. out. And I didn't say Firehouse Games <laughs> because they are subs and this is not a sub. We just call so, you One Take Ash. I know. That, yep. Let's let people believe that because <laughs> I want to feel better about myself. So, Sean, what are you, what are you doing here? Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm yeah, hanging absolutely. out. Yeah, this is a oh, this yeah. is a hangout session. Um, we're super stoked to have you. We've run into you at a, a number of shows and um, seen a lot of the panels you've done with our buddy Mylin, and uh, and it's awesome to have you on. You have a lot of really fun stuff to talk about. So we're we're elated to talk about games and indie games and just life, love, <laughs> all sorts of things. <laughs> all the things I'm an expert at. There we go. <laughs> Awesome! No, it's it's awesome to be on here. Like I was just uh, I was just saying because I was at uh, GDC Next recently, and I was at Indiecade before that, and you guys weren't there, and I was just really bummed. Oh, oh thanks, man! I was like, oh, there's nobody to. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we we want to go to those so so badly, but here's things- an insider baseball thing. I was actually in LA. Um, like the Indiecade was in LA, right? Like down. Yeah, it was at Culver. Yeah, I just I actually just happened to be in LA. I was uh sort of vacationing with my wife at the time. Oh cool. And I thought about trying to ask her. I was like, nah, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> hey, do you want to go like play video games and stuff for an entire <laughs> Saturday of our vacation? Yeah. It was kind of awesome though. There was a lot of non games there. Or like things not I shouldn't say non games because I have a I I'm not that uh narrow thinking, but like games that like art installations ah. that had interactive game elements and stuff, but were really, really intensely awesome stuff. Like Doug Wilson, who did uh, Johann Sebastian Joust, was there showing off his new uh, piece, which is called uh, Edgar Rice Soiree. <laughs> um, and it is, it's incredible. Like, it's just, I can't even, it's just a bunch of PlayStation Move controllers hanging from a, the ceiling on strings, or like ropes. And, uh, there's like four different colors, so so you, so you have like say thirty or f- say you have forty of these controllers hanging from the ceiling. There's ten of each color, and then there's four players in there, and they have to grab on to two of the controllers. And then there's this crazy music playing, and then every now and then controllers start blinking out, so the players have to let go of that one and grab onto one that's not blinking before that's it blinks out. That's ridiculous. That's amazing. And- so it's basically like the last person fake swinging from the trees <laughs> is the one who lives. And it's awesome. It's like the greatest game of musical chairs I've ever seen. That it's is so really, much. really cool. That's I mean, incredible. I think that's the great thing about indie games in general is you know you can really just kind of reach for the bizarre and, and yeah. pull off some incredible stuff. So you I saw some to. great <laughs> stuff this year at PAX. There's some really, truly bizarre and awesome stuff at PAX. What was the, what was the, um, Oh, what the, with the dance pads, Dan. What the hell was oh, it? Oh, uh, Crypt of the Necro Dance. Yes. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> I watched people play that for like an hour. I'm like, this game is unbelievable. It's so crazy. Yeah, that, I couldn't even get to the game. Um, just at, at PAX because uh, they were just they were surrounded. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really busy booth. Absolutely. 
So uh, let's start with Scott this week. Oh, okay. I was gonna. I was just gonna quickly run down, if you will. Oh what yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Show. Why don't you? Why don't you go? <laughs> that? Let's do the rundown. <laughs> we're gonna do what we've been up to, and then we're gonna talk to Sean about all the aforementioned things that Ash mentioned earlier. I guess that's redundant what I just said. And then, uh, <laughs> anyways, you wanted to start with me, right? What have I been up to? Yeah, let's let's talk about you. And, yeah, your life. so I'm I'm slowly uh, crawling out of the uh, grad school pit as it is, and dusting off my Xbox and getting back into to games, um, catching up on some stuff on Steam. So I've been playing um, Mark of the Ninja, which is a Xbox arcade title that came out a while ago from uh, from Clay. Am I saying that right? Their yeah, name? yeah, Clay. Yep. yeah. Um, that game is amazing, and I'm I feel really bad that I haven't sat down to play it until now but like unfortunately i just didn't have the time with my life obligations but well, it's... i mean technically we were joking before we started recording that we we can technically call you doctor now which yeah is... i guess so yeah so i'm i'm gonna refer to you as dr scott and make you very uncomfortable i, I am in no way requiring you to say that but i will not stop <laughs> you from saying it either i, I kind of want to <laughs> whatever you gotta do man <laughs> um so mark of the ninja is is fantastic it's it's kind of like I, you know, I play a lot of platformers, so um, I really like the the concept of the game. the The animation is is uh, is awesome. Like, there's like like some hand drawn uh, animation, and as well as like the cutscenes are hand drawn too, and that's really cool. And I think it kind of has the right balance of stealth elements and difficulty and items to use that like allow you to approach the levels in sort of any way you, that you want to. So that's cool. Yeah, that's the thing. And then uh, I kind of dusted off my Steam account, too, and have just been looking into what to play next. I play a little Torchlight 2. Nice. That was fun. Yeah. So um, pretty pretty quiet week. Otherwise, I've had to go to a lot of other uh, life things, like weddings oh. and such. Oh, so. mm. Life? I thought something bad was happening. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, like, I just had, like, other things to do. In like the adult evenings. responsibility. Which yeah, is, yeah. They're always unfortunate. I know. Growing up like sucks, that. doesn't it, you guys? <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. So, should we save Sean for last? Since he's save Sean for guest? last, yeah. Okay. Aw, shucks. What is um, going on with you? I guess the, the, the big news is I, I got a PS4. Hey. Um, I ordered it from Amazon, and I was uh, responsible in that I didn't, I didn't stay home from work i went to work uh and i i was like i was just keeping my fingers crossed that ups was going to be late as it always is and it was so i beat ups here and then the ps4 showed up um in terms of the setup and such i mean it took like honestly like two seconds to set up but then it had about an hour's worth of different patches before i could um really play it yeah uh which is no big deal i was fully anticipating that and the fact that there's like an internet fervor over like, oh my god, you need a patch to play. I'm like, give me a break. Have you ever installed any fucking software <laughs> uh, <laughs> ever you know, like, in your life? Like, there's patches for everything constantly. Sony even tweeted out that you could have downloaded that that patch to a USB drive like two days before the system came out. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So you didn't even have to. You know what I'm saying? You'd have to do it online. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, huh. honestly, it only took about an hour, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, uh, I mean. I guess I'll talk about some of the things I really liked about the the controller and and how everything just feels when I'm talking about Killzone because there's there is a lot of innovation built into the hardware itself. Um, Tell us about how the sticks feel, Ash. The sticks feel nice, <laughs> nice and loose, nice and loose. The both loose and, and actually the sticks, to be perfectly honest, are a lot, a lot tighter than the PS3 sticks. So I actually I like I like the sticks nice and tight. If you know what I mean. 
It's um. a callback, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, so I'm, you know, my first impressions of the first uh, five hours of the PS4 are entirely positive. I don't have anything negative to say about it so far. Um, what else? Oh, I watched um, the latest episode of uh, Shield, uh, and man, it's getting really, really good. Did you see the latest one, Scott? Um, now, is that the one that's supposed to be post Thor? I saw the one where they went to the hub. That's the last one I saw, too. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I feel like yeah. it's the closest thing we're going to get to a Firefly sequel. Right, and there yeah. was like a lot of James Bondy type stuff in the yeah. beginning where they're escaping from the facility and everything. But it was good. It was good. I think the characters are getting um, – their personalities are really shining through, which I think is, is awesome. And mm-hmm. you know, even if you're not a fan of Marvel and you just want a, like a well-scripted uh, spy series, I think you should definitely check out S.H.I.E.L.D. So – Oh, that and my my wife and I just hit season five of Breaking Bad. Uh, uh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> so we hit season five. We just did the season four finale last night, and like I literally couldn't go to sleep. I was so like amped up from it. Um, and you know, I have to say, uh, I might be jinxing myself here, but the internet's been pretty fucking cool. Like I've managed to not have this show spoiled at all for me yet, and that's I don't great. know how that's possible, but like. Uh, you know, I'm pretty active on social media, and everyone's been keeping their mouths shut for the most part. So it's pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. So, Sean, what have you been doing for the past life? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly working. Like everything's been crazy lately. So I've been, I've been, I've been kind of even when I'm not at work, been you know just sitting there checking my phone and making sure everything's going all right. Um, but uh, I mean, as far as things I've just been playing, I've been playing a lot of uh, Black Flag. Um, oh. Ooh. man, I'm I d- waiting. I'm waiting. It's I, I was uh, like, cause I, well, yeah, I'm not, I don't have any of the new consoles or I don't have either of them coming. So I just sort of, I got it for PlayStation three and it's uh the first thing that game has you do is you're standing on the deck of a boat. You fall down cause the boat gets hit by can, uh, by cannon fire. And then it's like, stand up, grab the wheel. And then you're just driving a boat and firing cannons. And <laughs> hmm. I really feel like every game, no matter what the rest of the content of the game, should just start with that. <laughs> you feel really well taken care of when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so 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 uh, that's basically all I've had a chance to play. Other than that, just, my God, but me and my wife and I watch so much Bob's Burgers. Oh, we just keep oh, wow. Over, over again. I've seen maybe every episode 20 times. It's crazy. <laughs> Really that's addicted. Awesome. So that's your like your go to show. Like you're just sitting on the couch, put it on, whatever that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. If we're like, uh, you know, if I, I want to play Animal Crossing or something, and ah. I'm, you know, my wife, you know, uh, playing something, we'll um, we'll have that playing in the background, and then we'll generally plan it while we're going to sleep. It's a really good show. Do you um, <laughs> now? Do you like? Is it because you like the show, or do you like that guy? Like he's the guy from Archer too, right? Um, yeah, for, he's great. Uh, um, John Benjamin, he's yes. great. I've been like, I've loved his um, VO work basically since um, Doctor Katz, like way back on oh, Doctor wow. Katz. Oh, yeah. That show, holy um, shit! He yeah. played, he played Doctor Katz's son, John. That mm-hmm. um, was John Lovitz, right? Was or that... Ben? Sorry, yeah, that's what he called Ben. Okay. Uh, no, it was uh, Doctor Katz was uh, played by a comedian, Jonathan Katz. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. And then John Benjamin played Ben, his son. And then uh, it was like Laura Silverman was the. It was crazy. It was like a really incredible cast, and they had. Yeah, that was a comedians. great show. It's so good. Yeah. We've been. I found a channel on YouTube that has every episode of it, and I've been going back because it's just such. I mean, it's it's you know, and this is the other reason why I like Bob's Burgers. Uh, Bob's Burgers is just a very very well written show, but also um, 
what they do is they just put the actors all in the same room. Oh, that's oh. cool. So they improv off of each other. Um, they have a script, and their writers are incredible. But they also just let these very talented actors riff on each other. And um, a lot of that stuff makes it into the show. So it just feel of all of the cartoons, it feels the most like you're a documentary in a weird way. <laughs> like it's actually just people talking. Yeah, that's um, cool. And I don't know. There's just something about it that I, it never gets old for me. That's pretty rare for animation to like let the actors be in the same room at all. Like, because we talk to a lot of voice actors on the show, and they're usually like tucked in a, a black box someplace by themselves, you know, with very little to work from. So that must have been really cool to have them all in the same place, actually, you know, being able to yeah. improv and such. There's a couple of really good interviews with uh, Lauren Bouchard, who's the uh, executive producer, where he just talks about their process. Because really, he's the only person who's been doing it. They did a little bit for that Dr. Katz with that. Then he went on and made home movies. I don't remember um, that. I don't that's remember. a really good show. Um, it's on Netflix if you get a chance. It's really good. It's about like an eight-year-old kid who makes uh, all these home movies with his friends. John Benjamin plays the drunk soccer coach. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but they also did improv for that show, and then they're doing it for Bob's Burgers. And I think that, that makes everything feel – you feel a lot closer to the characters, and everything comes off less gimmicky and more like real people talking. And it's, it's really cool. Very cool. That's Very incredible. cool. So we're going to take a quick break and then I guess come back with your lengthy interrogation where we <laughs> ask you all sorts of personal questions. And of course, yeah. we're going to ask what's going on with, with Firehose because you guys have a, a, a huge announcement you just made, I think, like yeah. yesterday or last yeah. night. Yeah, it was uh, like, yeah, last night. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll be right back. So Sean, we're back, and we're gonna we're gonna ask you some questions of, about life and, and your adventures and such. So, are wow. you prepared? I am prepared. Let's do this thing. Awesome, awesome. So, um, as always, we like to start with uh, you know the, the origin story because it's fun, and we get to hear uh, how people ended up where they are. <laughs> and no stories are, are ever re- even remotely alike. Um, I know you you told bits and pieces of this on P two R a while ago because I listened to them and they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how did you go from being like just basically like a punk kid to actually <laughs> working in the games industry? Because everyone's path into the games industry is completely different. Um, yeah. So like I was in uh, high school. I was like a total theater nerd. Um, just just like that's all I did is just write theater and act in shows. And even in like senior year and by senior year in high school, I was like, doing like four or five shows at a time like between rehearsals and what was going on and that's awesome maybe directing wow. one thing and it's like that's all i did and then my first year in college um i went to uh, bradford college which does no longer exists but we'll get there <laughs> um which is in uh, haverhill massachusetts i went there and i was a theater major um uh, and sort of a history major uh, sorry, or yeah, I think actually by the end I was like a history major with a theater minor, but I was leaning more towards theater. Um, and even then I was just doing lots of stage work to sort of pay for, you know, all of my incidentals. That was essentially my part-time job, even though it was closer to two full-time jobs. That's cool. Um, 
And then uh, my college closed in 2000. <laughs> was it like was while you were there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could <laughs> oh, like uh, I, I had take like a semester off because I was um, working for a film. I went out to California to work for a film studio as sort of like an internship for a while. And when I and then I got like I'm out there in California working for this totally suspicious um, uh, production new 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 studio in california out way out in the mojave desert oh, whoa, um, <laughs> i mean like three hours out, like joshua tree further out than joshua tree nothing around except for desert it's crazy um uh but what they did give me what shooting what was that what was going on oh nothing this was this was a new studio that was starting up they were building a sound stage out there because you know lots of productions yeah. go and shoot out in the desert because you know it's beautiful out there yeah, yeah. um this maybe not hadn't been the best brightest uh, best thing they could have done because the way like this where they were building the sound studio was um, in this town, but directly across the the street from China Lake Naval Base, <laughs> um, which uh, yeah, and there's a naval base which always confused me in the middle of the desert, but it's where they test they test out ordnance. Oh, oh good, great. yeah. So great place I would for be a sound studio. I would be at work. Like just sitting there taking calls and stuff like that. And then my whole desk would just start shaking <laughs> and like pens, pencils would roll off and I'd have to like go outside to see if it was an explosion or if it was an earthquake. Like wow. that was the only way to sort of figure it out. And uh, it wasn't the best situation. So I moved down to Glendale. And then when I came back, uh, Bradford had closed. <laughs> Bradford was no longer a school. Oh, man. Wow. Um, it, yeah. So so I didn't get to uh, I, did, I didn't get to. Um, uh, get my degree but uh that was my sort of background but when i came i i ended up leaving california because i was kind of sick of it all and i came back and um uh just kept doing theater on the north shore and uh then i got diagnosed with a brain tumor oh wow and um i just started having headaches and everything and uh it took a long time but i found out i had a brain tumor and uh so that was a couple of years of downtime, basically. That was like two years of uh, I couldn't really do much. I was really, um, you know, I had headaches constantly mm -hmm. uh, because of um, basically it's called hydrocephalus. It's when too much liquid builds up inside of your head. Um, so uh, so it's kind of like having a constant concussion from the inside. It's not great. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> things no, could not, be not better to, than that yeah not <laughs> right. to get too too personal but like how absolutely you know terrified were you when you were diagnosed with this like what kind of i mean this is going to turn into a psychology podcast <laughs> but what kind of questions did you ask yourself because i mean when things like that happen to people it either pushes them in one or two directions either they end up getting inspired to you know do things they never did or they just kind of give up you know um, for me, it was so at first the 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 story for this it was weird because I went in and I didn't know I was like just went in for an MRI. Eventually, my insurance company was like, "Fine, fine, fine, have an MRI." And I went and got an MRI, and everything seemed normal. I mean, I didn't expect this to you know I I, I didn't expect it to be a brain tumor or anything like that. And I get out of the MRI, and they're like, uh, "Normally, they just sort of like give you your your slides so that you could take them to the to your doctor." Of course. Um, but I'm sitting out in the waiting room for a really long time afterwards. And eventually, the, uh, the, you know, at some point, they were like, this might take a little while where we have to put some new film in the canisters. I Clearly lying Whoa. to me. Yeah. Um, 
like in a way that I totally understand if I was in his position, I probably would have done the same thing, but like mm-hmm. still, so like I'm waiting out in the waiting room, like this is the worst possible situation. Uh. It goes on for about 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, and eventually the, the youngest guy who was doing the MRI and he couldn't have been that much older than me. Um, cause I was in my, you know, mid twenties then I think he, you know, and he, he comes out and he's holding the manila envelope with the slides in it. And he just comes up to me and he hands it to me. And he's like, um, your doctor would like you to go right over to his office right now. And then, <laughs> oh, and then he, and then he reached out one hand and sort of like awkwardly tapped my shoulder. Like, oh, like God, almost like a, almost like a there, there. Oh, um, shit. Now, where my doctor oh, was so far away from where this MRI place was, like several towns away on the highway. Yeah. So I had to get in my truck. Uh, I believe. Yeah, I believe I had a truck. At, yeah, it was my yeah, I, my uh, my my Toyota. Uh, I jumped in the, the truck and had to drive um, on the highway for like 45 minutes oh, to go to my uh, doctor. The but whole you still time, didn't know like what was going on, right? No idea. Oh, God, oh, it's terrible. I could do that. Absolutely <laughs> other than, that. Uh, other than, and all I want to do is like call my mom or something like that and be like, yeah. hey, so this is what's going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But no, uh, so I, I, I couldn't really do that because I didn't know what was going on and I didn't want to like set anybody else off. So I get there and of course, since this is an emergency thing, I'm going to have to wait a while. Oh, um, so I'm sitting there and this just goes on forever and ever and ever. And eventually, uh, the doctor, she, 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 she was like, okay, um, come back with me. And she brings me into this room and she puts the, puts them up on this lit thing. And she's just going through and she's like, so we looked at thing. And, um, if you look right here, it's very small, but you'll see it. This white spot right here, that's a tumor. And then it was, it seriously was like, Something it was actually really something like from a video game where every suddenly everything just slows down oh, really, Jesus. really slow. Yeah, and yeah, that's, um, that's you're terrifying. hyper aware of everything that's going on uh, around you, like every single detail, like everything that's going. I can still remember the room perfectly. And that's after many, 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 many brain surgeries. I could and I've forgotten. I forget my name sometimes, but I can still remember that room perfectly. Wow. Um, and yeah, it led to a bunch of things like they, they ended up sending me to a neurosurgeon who was a. Uh, Michael J. Fox's neurosurgeon, hey, and he wow. just had these pictures of Michael J. Fox on the walls, and I was like, "Ah, oh, we'll be fine." <laughs> um, <laughs> but his suggestion was, "Ah, we probably shouldn't do anything about it." And meanwhile, what? like my my eyes are like popping out of my head because the pressure is building up so much, and I have a lot of headaches, and everything's really bad. And then, um, you know, because I was like an actor and I worked in a video store uh, during the day, yeah. I, you know, I didn't ha- I didn't have health insurance, so. Um, uh, trying to get um so i had to get on state insurance and everything and try to figure that all out so that it took like a really long time before they would give me a surgery and they can't actually remove it um but they put in a shunt which is basically like a little pipe that goes from my brain into my stomach and that takes care of uh removing the fluid um so that i have less or fewer headaches um wow that means it's still like absolutely like that that situation as a as a young man must have been like pretty yeah pretty terrifying i mean it must have yeah. just given you a new perspective on like what was important and it know, was like everything the, yeah it was cuz when i came out i was like i don't want to work just like i don't really just want to work retail for my life i want to like do i want to like make stuff yeah, um, yeah and since i couldn't really do much because of the headaches i spent a lot of time um at my in my mom's attic playing video games 
Mm-hmm. And um, I started being like, well, somebody – because it never occurred to me that people make video games. It always just occurred to me like, <laughs> oh, yeah, video games happen and you play them. Like the other side of the process never yeah. occurred to me that that was Where even something you do. video games come from? Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's the the uh, the video game Santa just drops them <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> they just show up every fall. Uh, um, right. And I had always loved video games. I I hadn't been playing them quite as much because I was, you know, broke as hell. But, like, you know, I, I once I started, once I was back in the attic, I had nothing else to do. That's all I did. And I just, that's all I kind of wanted to do when I came out of it. So um, uh, one of the things I found out, so I started, even when I was sick, I was like, when I get out of this, when I'm done with this, when this is all over, I'm going to work at the video game industry. And um, since I had a lot of time on my hands, I started researching. And it turns out... Um, a company that had made one of my favorite games that I loved playing while I was sick um, was only about an hour away from me. And that was, uh, I was playing a lot of frequency, um, oh, wow. which was um, harmonics. Yeah. Um, so when, uh, when I came out of the, eventually I went into the hospital, uh, got the surgery on the Ides of March. Oh um, boy. That's, <laughs> that's great. Lives luck. through it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when I came out, I was like, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to go. And I just started applying to them. Like every couple of weeks, I just started applying and be like, Hey, uh, you need QA. Um, cause, uh, I'd like to do that and like your games. Uh, let me be your QA. And, then, uh, they kept sending me back like, no, we, we don't. And this isn't the greatest way of getting a job, but, uh, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, uh, this is probably not going to happen. We're not looking for it, but I just kept doing it because that was my only chance. Really? Mm-hmm. It felt yeah. like so. I was like, well, and I, I didn't want to work for a ga- place that made games I didn't want to play, mm-hmm. especially if I was going to be QA. So I just kept doing it. And I still um, I believe I still in one of my email accounts still have a series of rejection letters uh, from them. Um, <laughs> <That's> incredible. <laughs> But eventually, Mike uh, Mike Dornbrook um, over there, he was the one who was sending me all of these. He ended up becoming sort of my boss and um, a very, very good friend and mentor who taught me just about everything about this industry. Um, he he originally worked on Zork. His first job oh, was yeah. QA on Zork, and then he ran Infocom. Yeah. Wow. I remember those Infocom games when I was a little kid playing on, yep. like, well, like, Apple IIgs or something. Yep. Yeah, my like, gosh. Yeah, or Apple IIe. That's or yeah, yeah. I had an Apple IIe. I had mine on um I played it on my uh Atari um Atari 800XL. Is that what it was? Oh man. It was the Atari PC. Oh yeah. I I never uh, knew anyone who had that. I was always, you know, I had the the 2600 just I was a Commodore 64 man myself. Were you really? Yeah. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a, like yeah, so I was like a, when I found out he was on that I was like, "Oh, we need to talk." <laughs> mm. <laughs> Because this is like Zork was my first like huge obsession in games. So that was a great game. So it was great. Like I got a chance to go over there and work and and you know build up. I, I think I spent. Um, I started there in like 2004, and then worked there until like until Fire was basically. Wow, I that's, took, yeah, I that's took awesome. A few years off because I got sick again, but um, yeah. But, so you were there at Harmonix during like when the original rock band came out, and weren't you like on doing a lot of the Guitar Hero uh, before Guitar? Oh my gosh! I was there when they did Karaoke Revolution. Oh the game. shit! Wow. I yes. barely remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I worked there on Karaoke Revolution, and then um, uh, then Guitar Hero broke big, and I became I I worked as a um, uh, I did QA on uh, a little bit of QA on the first. Guitar Hero, and then I was a tech artist on the second Guitar Hero. Oh, cool! Um, and and then we moved on to Rock Band, and I became the community manager. I ran the community department awesome. for all and the. How rest of the- crazy and and breakneck was that 
community like that community tour for that game. I mean, because I remember I remember it going everywhere, and you guys were yeah. doing things constantly. I mean, it was like like a you know like a global tour more or less. Yeah, we were basically on the road about 280 days out of the year. Something. I mean, <laughs> just something just something ridiculous where it's like, why even bother coming home? Yeah, it's like yeah. the Harmonix community team is their own band. You know, like yeah, on tour really all the is. time. Really is, um, really, really, and we, we, I mean, we traveled like it too. You know, we have all of this equipment and everything, <laughs> right? And yeah, travel around the country and doing that sort of thing, and it was, um, it was insane. And I got to meet a bunch of people who who were just like incredible. Like I got to meet um, like Herbie Hancock, who was like a god to me. Wow. Like, and I was, like, I got to play rock band with Herbie Hancock. I That's got to, amazing. <laughs> I got to play rock band with the American Gladiators. And, <laughs> oh, wow. And, like, and like Dave Grohl and like all these people who yeah, are just that's like, ridiculous. Who I just like really into and yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people who I uh, you know who I wasn't quite as into, but that was also really funny. And um, um, oh, I did get to meet Morris Day once, and I like freaked out. Oh, nice, nice. Because I got to hang out and talk to Morris Day of and the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. But like a lot of those things where you're just like, I can't believe I'm here. What is happening? That's um, sort of surreal. Yeah. Oh, I had I had dinner once at uh, at uh, the drummer Mickey Mickey Starr from um, the Grateful Dead at his his house. He was what? the drummer the drummer for the Grateful Dead and we had like a business meeting at his house and they made pasta for us. And we You're said, like, how was, is this happening right yeah, now? Yeah, that's so surreal. It was that was like the first thing that happened too. That was like the first trip I took, and I was like, I don't under what is happening. Who, yeah. what? Uh, this is insanity. Um, and it was a lot of that. But even towards the end, like after after Beatles rock band, I was exhausted. Um, I bet. I bet. So and what? What eventually kind of prompted you to like uh, not only just leave harmonics, but also to you kind of want to pursue. Uh, career doing the, the indie stuff because you you know you were at a, a very well established company that was doing well and you know was about to come out with some new stuff and then it seems like you made a decision somewhere along the way to just kind of distance yourself from it so what was that all about um it's i got sick again mm-hmm. and um it was right after beatles rock band that 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 november um i remember, I remember that pretty clearly um or it was right after yeah right around thanksgiving i started getting really bad headaches again um, so we went to the doctor, found out the shunt was failing, um, and make a long story short, the next six months, so from uh, about late November, December into around May of the following year, um, 2009 into 2010, uh, I had roughly a 12 to 14 operations on my brain. Wow. Uh, wow. Just a various – the shunt just continuously failing or getting infected. One time it had the um, – I guess uh, they found out – they found um, – when they did a little test of the fluid that they found the, um, the microbe that can cause acne. Um, That's weird. And I – like inside – in there – and I guess it's because it's very common in the air. Um, oh, okay. Some of it got inside of the tube, but they found like a – I guess – I guess this is going to sound gross, but I'm just going to say it. Sure. I guess it would be considered like a colony of microbes inside of um, the thing that was inside of my brain. Oh, my gosh. And so I was, scary, man. It was. It was. I was like horrified. So and I was like, and I was like, and I was like, I remember, I still remember because I still have a sense of humor about things. And yeah. I remember, I just leaned over to the, or like when the doctor told me that I was like, um, so let me get this straight. 
Are you telling me there is a good chance I'm going to get brain zits? <laughs> and he was like, well, it would manifest differently. But um, yeah, functionally, yes. And I was like, OK, well, then let's let's operate again. Let's get in there. It's like, couldn't you have just told me that they were midichlorians instead? <laughs> Something else. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't want to get rid of midichlorians. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I don't like Jedi. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's pretty amazing that you, even through all that, you were able to, you know, still have a sense of humor. I think I would become the most, like, like just grim bastard. Like, I honestly, I, w- I would go, like, all Walter White and just start sulking around and, like... <laughs> Like I don't think I can handle it. I honestly, I, mean, I, I was like, it was, it was horrible. Like if it, if, if it hadn't been for my wife, like I don't know how I would have gotten through it at all. Yeah. But like, because I, I ended up having this thing where it was like, I, what's called dissociative sleep with all of these brain injuries, where um my uh, consciousness would go into like REM, but my body wouldn't actually be falling asleep. So oh. it would be like functionally like sleepwalking where I'd yeah. be walking the house acting out whatever was going on in my subconscious. But my eyes would be open. I could vaguely answer questions even though my answers wouldn't make any sense. But I'd respond and it was crazy. Um, but it was like even that like for me it's like I, I, anything that had bad that happens I try to make it funny as fast as possible. And uh, so like what I was taking that I was like this is ridiculous and could potentially end in my death. But you know what this is. It's kind of funny that I'm like, <laughs> yes. walking around the house doing all this weird shit. So yeah. um, we we um, I started talking about like, you know, like when I was a little kid, because I was like, when this is over, what am I going to what am I going to do? Um, and uh, we we found like, you know, like I started thinking about all the little things I wanted to do when I was a kid, all the jobs I wanted to do when I was a kid. And we started filming a video series. Um, we just did a promo, but it was uh, of me going taking all of those jobs I did or wanted to do when I was a kid mm-hmm. and then trying to do them now while recovering from brain surgery. Um, and we did it. It was called when I grow up um, and we did a pilot for it. And that one was me learning how to do stand up comedy. Oh, wow. I was um, just going to ask you about stand up comedy. Cause you said you like yeah. to make everything funny. I do. And that's, yeah. and that's, that was my way of actually, cause that was like the best brain therapy. Like I could possibly get because mm-hmm. um, you have to remember what's going on and you have to like, um, you know, follow a sequence of events and kind of feed off the energy and be social. And it's all the things my brain wasn't capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So going through the process of forcing myself to do it was actually really good. Um, and some of the best brain therapy I got um, following like cognitive therapy I could get following yeah. all those. That's, that's pretty incredible. So, Jeez, I mean, that's quite a story, sir. That oh, that was no, 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 really, that's quite a story because I mean, it just shows that you know you you're you're very adaptable to whatever the hell it gets thrown at you, which is pretty pretty awesome. And I don't know, if, you know, it's I mean, us could probably handle stuff like that. I think people will be surprised. Like sometimes when when you know when when life gets that insane and sort of uh, very life or death. I mean, literally life or death sort of yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the crap that comes with it you sort of pair out. There's a lot of stuff that you're like, well, no, this is just survival. So let's just survive. And like any sort of emotions about it sort of get pushed off to the side. Sometimes until, you know, you lay down in bed to, at night and you're thinking you're like, and then it sort of like can creep onto you, mm-hmm. which is a great time for it to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, right before bed. Yeah. <laughs> right before bed. But largely it's just sort of you're like, you know, thinking about it too much would be horrifying. So your brain kind of protects you from that in a way. And you just, try to just keep going as best yeah, you yeah. can and just keep moving forward like a like a shark 
<laughs> um, like so, so how how did you end up transitioning to to firehose then? Like once you started to feel better, I'm assuming that you you wanted to kind of yeah get back into things. So how did you end up? Uh, how did you end up there? Um, once I started, I started feeling a little bit better, um, and and uh, my my like the company that was handling my disability insurance. They were like, "You're fine," and I was like, "I'm not," and they were like, "You are," and I was like, "I don't." I'd agree with that. Uh, <laughs> and they were like, you could appeal. And I was like, but, and they were like, then, but the appeal process is sort of like long and can tend to be kind of expensive. And I was just sort of like, I, I, I don't know if this was the brightest choice. Um, it turned out all right, I, but I wouldn't suggest anybody else do it. But I was like, all right, well, I guess I, I guess I just, I, I guess I go back. And, and if it doesn't work out, I, I, I will figure it out. But I, I guess I, I guess I go and try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I started, we had known, I had known, um, a bunch of the guys at Firehose, um, cause they have also, they had also done work with harmonics. Um, they did the, um, the tech for dance central, mm-hmm. Okay. designed the tech and the proof of concept for dance central, uh, for harmonics. And, um, I talked to them and they had had some cool stuff and small little company. And honestly, when I was recovering the second time, I was playing a lot of indie games. It wasn't mm-hmm. that I gave up on AAA. It's just. There were a lot of really incredible indie games coming out, and it was a really exciting space. And I had been at Harmonix when it was uh, 30 people, and then I got to see it explode to like 300 people um, by the time I left. In a very short amount of time, it really got that big. Um, So so I recognized, and I was like, I really kind of preferred working for a smaller company where I know everybody and, and, you know, I can wear lots of hats. I don't have to yeah. be segmented. Um, and Firehose just really fit the bill. Um, it was really awesome. So I went over there and I helped them with the uh, Go Home Dinosaurs launch uh, and finishing up that game. I ended up uh, like I like that like I said many hats. Like I showed up to do all the marketing and PR for it, but I ended up writing all of the barks for the game and then directing some of the VO and then that's doing so some exciting. Of- that's really cool. Yeah, it's fun to like go in and 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 do because I've always like I've always liked writing. You know, I used to be a playwright mm-hmm. and do that. So so yeah, getting a chance to stretch my wings in other ways was you know fantastic and really refreshing. And maybe and only something that you could do easily at a at a smaller company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's very unlikely you'd be able to do that at a larger company because mm-hmm. you know a larger company. The the idea behind it is everybody has a very has a specialty, and there's somebody managing all those people doing their specialties in the hopes that 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 becomes more efficient. But that also means you don't really get to spread out into other areas. Whereas India, it's very much try to be a generalist as much as possible. Like learn mm-hmm. everything you can because if you can do it yourself and not need somebody else's resources for it immediately. Um, that's efficient. And, um, I prefer that. I think I prefer that a lot. That's very, very cool. So there's something, um, really kind of neat about the Boston area and just from going there for the past couple of years for PAX and stuff, I see this, this, this kind of growing community of indie devs and just devs in general. Well, what, what the heck is it? about that area uh, no really about that area oh, that yeah. like, draws in so many so many creatives because it, it's kind of strange like I, I go all the country for these conventions and like boston has this like energy this creative yeah. energy to it like i what what is it what is the secret <laughs> i mean i mean part of it is you know boston's the birthplace of games in a lot of ways right mm-hmm. like like the very first game i think it was a space war mm-hmm. was if i remember correctly that was like written in at MIT, right? Okay. You know, like, and yeah. 
Zork came out of MIT and, and all this stuff. And there's all these MIT grads who are coming out. And um, so, so I think that, that had a big uh, focus. And then you get like Harvard right there and uh, Berkeley School of Music. And then um, you've got um, Mass College of Art. Um, um, and then you have a uh, Rhode Island school of design and it's kind of all of these schools all around this one area. And a lot of the people who go to those schools stay in the area. Cause frankly, it's a little expensive, but it's also a really supportive environment for tech, um, mm-hmm. and for software. So sticking around here is, you know, a perfectly reasonable idea and, you know, expensive, but still just affordable enough and people stick around. And then there was all of these big companies that formed, um, you know, harmonics and turbine and irrational, but then mm-hmm. you find, you know, devs who peel off from those studios starting their own smaller studios. Um, and it just, I think it just, as, as there were more indies, more indies just kept showing up. Yeah. It, it's getting kind of, kind of crazy now. So you guys <laughs> really just, is. I know really, cause I was like watching my Twitter feed just the other night and we're going to talk about the the Boston postmortem in a second. Yeah. But I was like watching my Twitter feed and there was like we're go- it was like just this list of people like we're all going to this thing. I'm like, "Man, I, w- I want to go and hang out." <laughs> it's like, the, <laughs> it's like the community like, supports each other too. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really really cool. so, really, really does. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and so what was the Boston postmortem like? Like what what happens at an event like that? So Boston Postmortem is this uh, event that's been going on for a really long time. Uh many many years. Um over a decade now. I know I can't I can't remember exactly how long, but for a very long time. And um what it is is a gathering of uh developers and people who want to be in development um in the Boston area who meet up at a bar um once a month and there's generally a talk a speaker and that speaker the, the loosely is giving a postmortem of a project that they worked on. Um and I've seen everything from, you know, um I think it was it was it Ralph Bear came once and just talked about what it was like to make the Magnavox Odyssey, oh, um, wow. <laughs> which was just which was which was rad. It was like it was really really cool. Um, and then you have other local like uh, last month uh, the awesome folks over at Dejoban um, gave a rundown of I want to say it was Monster Loves You. Um, and then you know this month we were giving like we told everybody we were going to give a talk on. Uh, Go Home Dinosaurs, which we started with Go Home Dinosaurs. So <laughs> right. Specifically, not me. I was sitting in a booth like white knuckled and fretting. Oh, man. That's, that's my job. But Aton uh, <laughs> uh, Gleinert, our uh, the founder of Firehose and the fire chief, um, he uh, he uh, he gave a talk about where our company is going next. And uh, we had been teasing all week that we had a big announcement. And that's kind of where we dropped it because we wanted to drop it. Um, at a thing that was very Boston specific because it's a very Boston specific plan to start. And uh, these are the people who it will affect the most. And we really wanted to share it with them right off the bat. Awesome. So why don't you share not only with our listeners, but with us, because we're really curious about what, about what the master plan is, um, what you guys exactly are doing, because we've seen we've seen we saw that you announced that, you know, you're going to become an incubator for independent developers and kind of help um, strengthen them and teach them and mentor them in a lot of ways. But what exactly does that mean? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess the, the thing is, you know, after Go Home Dinosaurs, we realized you can't be this 14 person team working on a game for two years and hope to be around in two and a half years, mm-hmm. right? Once you, you won't, you won't exist. Like you'll either have to pare down significantly or you'll have to close the company because there's no way you're going to make that money back. 
Um, it's very like it's just it's it, you're not spreading your bets. Like the chances if you did 100 companies that had that exact model, maybe one of them will still be around because it's not just sure. it really is like it's really hard right now. And, you know, the great thing about the rise of indies um, is, you know, it's created all of these indies. But the problem is there's also been this sort of fragmentation. Not that it's a problem because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm glad it's actually the democratization of games, I think, is actually brilliant. But there is a little bit of a Wild West thing there, too. Um, and we realized, you know, looking around like at ourselves and looking around at other indies and we, we spent a lot of time being like, so what is a what is a, what does a successful indie look like? Like, let's take all of these games like, you know, FTL or, um, you know, what the guys at Flambeer are working on, that mm-hmm. sort of idea. What, um, what is it about them that's successful? Let's look, just break down all their qualities. And we realized they're these small the two teams of two. Yeah. yeah. They're all like micro teams. Absolutely. Right. They're these tiny teams working for plenty of time. Like they're taking their two years. They're taking their three years to make their game. Um, they're taking a lot of time to make the game. But they're also using a bunch of that time to build up buzz, right? That slow build up. They have something to show. They're working on it. They're working on it. But they're getting the word out at the same time time they're very inclusive and they're building their community the entire time like and jazz punk like jazz punk, right yeah <laughs> i've heard about that nailed. yeah it's just um, my favorite <laughs> um but you're just really taking that time and putting out a game that's not only good but um the way we put it a game that's remarkable and we mean that in the dictionary sense of the word remarkable which is worth remarking on mm-hmm. like making these games and taking feedback while they're going and like just making this game awesome and talking about it and keeping it in people's memory so when it comes out it's hot and people want it um and we just started and we were like you know that's something we could do we just can't do that with a one big team of like 10 people and at the time we're uh we're 11 people nine of us in the office so nine of us working on four games over the period of like you know we we started this summer after go home dinosaurs where we started checking this model out ourselves and we started with game jams and then we started having people just send in their proposals anybody in the company even me the marketing guy can you know um can put Put uh, any put in an idea, so we all just started writing up game design ideas, and then matching up into little teams to iterate on these and jam on these ideas, and uh, we realized we were having way more fun, um, oh. and we were making better stuff because mm-hmm. there's not that group think that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're just working with two people, you can have a much more directed vision that has a much more focused, small, like sort of, I keep saying smaller games, but what I mean by that is just much more focused on one particularly good idea and then expounded on, but it's like two people who really understand that idea and really exploring it. And that's really fun. And it's really fun to work with just one other person on a game or one or maybe two other people on a game and really keep that small, tight thing there's it's so efficient and it makes uh for some really creative and interesting games um and we've been we've been like i said we've been doing this for a couple of months like you know uh we've already iced um we have uh of those so we're still working on four games but in that since we started doing this in may um we've already iced something like six or seven projects wow that's crazy (laughs) Um, and then we have uh my my project actually made it through um, so it's fully greenlit and coming out next year. That's a let's quip, which nice, I think nice. I played, I played a bit of that. It's so much fun. 
Um, so that one, and that one's based on stand-up comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, but that one, so we're, so we're, uh, so yes, that was the first one through. We have another game called Super Balance Bros that we just uh, submitted to the team. <laughs> that one's, that one's really fun. I it's love a, that title. <laughs> Super <laughs> Balance Bros. We call it the WarioWare of weighing things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I hope to, I'm hoping we can get like a little demo out at some point because it's, uh, it's really fun and really stupid. Um, I got to, we got to do this big stupid trailer for it. Um, I had to make it in Microsoft Movie Maker because all of our other software was kind of broken. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> but that was like our submission. That was really fun. So we've had these, a couple of games come through and then we have a couple of other games in these various states of um, how long before we like, like, is this game going to make it or isn't, or is it not? And, uh, it's it's really cool because like the other thing is I mean it can seem sort of harsh that you know you make this game idea and then you show a prototype and then we're like no cut it off um, because you know some, it's just not working but for me that's actually really freeing because I don't want to work on a game for two years that nobody is going to play yeah yeah because that feels like a huge waste of my time absolutely um, and it's just got to be so like the wind just must you know really come out of your sails when something like that happens just so yeah, all that time all that energy all that emotion just kind of you know it really it uh, really becomes re- it's it's really heartbreaking um it really feels like you like you like you're you you're, you're you just had a kid and the kid just graduated from high school and you put them <laughs> out into the and they immediately get splattered by a bus <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's pretty awful <laughs> You're like I put all my energy into that kid. <laughs> oh God! It sounds like though, on the flip side, you know, it sounds like you're saying the benefit of to having these smaller teams is that you can also take more chances. Even if these games yes. don't get past the prototyping phase, at least you can explore, like you know, something completely new or different. Yeah. Like we, uh, we, one of my, we, uh, one of the projects um, that I was, one of the other projects that I was working on um, was a uh, wasn't even a game; it was a web comic. Um, that we were working on, and then we we kind of iced it because we were like we we like this, but we don't know exactly where it's going, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and which made total sense. I didn't feel bad about it. I wanted to keep working on it because I got to do the narrative for it, and it was going to have seasons, and it was really cool. Um, yeah, but um, but still, if if there if there's not the support there for it, I don't want to be working on something that like I believe in, but do I believe in it that much? Mm-hmm. Um. And and it really makes you think about what you're designing and what you want it to be, and the best way to get across your idea in a short amount of time. Um, I mean, our original thing was we were just taking um, you would have your prototype, and you would have no art in it, other than maybe some clip art that you could find. You didn't have access to an artist because mm-hmm. our idea was if your gameplay mechanic is fun without art, imagine how much fun it will be with art. Absolutely. And, okay. Um, and we, we ended up sort of like going away from that a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's a, and you know, it's always a process, but, um, there's, yeah, we, we've, we've worked on a bunch of stuff like that and it's a really freeing process and really exciting to work on. Um, even if you do feel like sometimes like a little bit like the sword of Damocles is above you, it's still, it's great. It's really, it's, it's really freeing to work that way. That's awesome. So, so what is the plan to bring other, um, small teams into the fold? So, I mean, to me, it sounds like that's the whole idea. You're going to, you're going to kind of foster a relationship between yourselves and upcoming indie developers and kind of actually bring them in to work on their, their game with you guys. So what, what's the plan for that? Um, well, what the, so in the, we, we haven't, uh, we don't have a formal application process yet. We're working on that. We'll announce it, um, in, uh, next year sometime. 
when we once we bring people on because we're looking for investment money right now and um, that's how we're sort of funding all of this. Um, but we'll be bringing in classes of you know so many people um, and then having them break up into teams because we're not actually interested in people coming and pitching us a game that they want to work on because that we're not um, the way Aton puts it is publishers place bets on games yeah. And we don't want to place bet on games because that's uh, we feel like that's a losing game. But if you place bets on good developers, um, developers who can prove that, um, you know, the, here's the, the sort of people we're looking for, like the the AAA developer who has been doing it for years and finally wants to get their chance to like go indie and kind of make that game they've always wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Or, Absolutely. Um, or like uh, that kid who's in college who. Um, who like she she was always the best person on her team like any game that she finished while she was in college it was because she was on that team um she's the one who brought it all together or like um you know some or an indie developer who's been making games for a while but never like always gotten to the end of the game and then just been too exhausted to market the game mm-hmm. and or market it appropriately because they and they just didn't have the support structure there to make it happen like these are the people we want people who can make games people who understand that ideas don't matter it's the execution that's um, awesome that's such a great idea and it, i mean it seems like it, it- could be you know risky because you're banking so much on the talent of others you know you're basically you're saying like okay like we have faith in you that you're gonna be able to execute this but i mean it's out there it's like you guys said it's just a question of 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 grabbing onto it you know and and boston i think is in a really good position to have have a model like this work i know this wouldn't work in every city yet because not every city has the community that can sort of uh provide the talent to have that because anybody who works uh with us in this program is going to have to be either in boston or willing to move here Mm -hmm. um because we we want to have like we're offering um desk space and um marketing help and everything that's awesome um yeah, and like the it's it's super fair. It's super like we're we're you know at being devs ourselves. We're like, what is the sort of deal we would want if we were if we were in this situation? And you know, we're really we're really conscious of making this super dev friendly because that's the only way this works. There's something um, interesting that you said that made me that gave me a question, and that was, you know, if you if you're sort of betting more on the devs more than the games, is there then also an opportunity to bring together devs that? maybe previously didn't know one another and then you can yes. say hey you're good at this and you're good at that you guys might work well together i mean that's the idea is to bring in like we would never uh, i our, my understanding like right now like the plan and this could of course change of uh course. but like my idea is that we don't bring in one person at a time we bring in a group of people like essentially be like you're the first class of mm-hmm. this uh, thing and then kind of let them – and they're probably people who might know each other and have met each other, but they're probably not people who have worked together before. Mm-hmm. And then be like, all right, guys, uh, talk. And then break up into teams and let's see what you got. Yeah. You know, incredible. like – and because that is – that's going to bring different sort of people together. And then there's already the pe- those of us who are already at Firehose who will mm-hmm. also be – like, you know, like as uh, as Aton eloquently put it, uh, we eat our own dog food. Um, <laughs> yeah, I read that quote. That was great. <laughs> like we, I mean, we, like we, we've already been living this um, 
for like six months. I mean, and changing it and fixing it and, you know, really trying to QA this process. Um, That's awesome. But, uh, but we eat our own dog food and we're going to be very much part of this, this whole plan. That's super exciting. So what's the, the general timeline? I don't know if you're at a point where you guys can discuss that yet. So when, when do you think that you're going to start bringing people on and so we're hoping we're hoping to uh, announce the the announce the uh, the like the admission process and you know the application process in 2014. Um, I'm not exactly sure when. I don't want to like make any sort of like vague promises, yeah, but yeah. Um, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Kind of depends on um, on um, our ability to raise raise money for it and everything. Or where that's going to come from, but um, yeah, we're like we want to get to this really, really badly, like as soon as possible, because uh, uh, honestly, it's just super exciting, and seeing what comes out of it is is like a joy to see what comes out of this process. That's um, awesome. What what would you say the response has been so far? I mean, I know it's only been a, a day or so, but like, what, yeah, like what have you heard? You know, maybe like from the from the post mortem, or or may, just maybe from people in the community as they start to get a hold of this story. I think we've heard a lot of um, like there's been a lot a, a lot of oh my god I can't believe I didn't think of that yeah, and then there's yeah, been, yeah. or there's been a lot of like oh I totally thought of that I wish uh, like I'm glad somebody's doing it like um, really you know uh, people think of the indie community as a community that has uh, you know um, I think uh, like a similar sensibility and think the same way and you know and like have the, the this core principles and sort of thing but that's not the case mm-hmm. and you know even amongst indies we argue about stuff all the time hopefully in a healthy way but you know we argue about stuff and have different things but the response to it has been super supportive um uh there's it's just uh it's it's a good model and i think for it's it's not going to be perfect for every developer um and i don't think that's necessarily in anyone's benefit either if it is but um for the sort of ben- for the sort of developers that you know i was talking about earlier this is this is custom made for their for their needs um and for ours you know we benefit from it too and 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 uh I'm just really excited. Just so, like this That's is awesome. honestly one of yeah. the great, like most exciting things I've been a part of um, in my career because it, that, like I, and I'm gonna for completely selfish reasons. Um, I'm gonna get to work on stuff, but also I'm gonna get to play some really incredible indie games before anybody else does. <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. And I could brag about it. So for sure, <laughs> like the future <laughs> is will. so bright and limitless. You know, <laughs> right. exactly. We'll definitely keep us in the loop and, you know, we'll be in constant contact and we want to hear absolutely everything. Sweet. And let, we'll have let's quip even. We'll be uh, dropping for uh, like, we'll be dropping in 2014 early uh, in the first half. Oh, that's great. Cause it too, is so. a ton of fun. And I was actually kicking ass for a while. You, you were, <laughs> I was doing, there was a, there was a few people who were just like, re- like any match you could go in. I started being able to tell which matches, uh, any match where I saw you in it, I could tell which one was going to be your answer. <laughs> Um, just by looking at it. And then there was like a couple of other people. Um, my uh, my partner on this project is uh, Sherith Bot. He's a, he's a coder at Firehose and he's just amazing. Like one of the greatest people I've ever worked with. Love working with the dude. Um, and he is great at the game. Like he, he scientifically like MIT brain dissects everything that's possible and like pops out the funniest possible uh, response. I know. There are some great ones going on there. Some that I was like, oh man, I wish I would have thought of that. So good. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we really want is like, uh, you know, we keep joking that it's, it's the, like the, the people who are like, what's your demographic? And I was like, Te- television writers rooms, basically, <laughs> I guess. 
I don't know if that's a demographic yet, but, but I think but it's still really important. There's so few games that make you laugh, you know, and like opening yeah. up an app on your phone and actually being able to chuckle because you looked at something on your screen is super important because well, we a lot people- of us have like really shitty days and like yeah. being able to pull up something on your phone and like be able to laugh your ass off for a minute is really, really valuable. And like and they, they, that's what, and that's what we really really wanted because we've noticed um, during the validation like the alpha build that we did that uh, people were coming in and never playing a match they were just coming in and voting <laughs> oh. and there, so it was just people who were like oh this is fun and they were just I, they considered it to be the game where they voted on jokes and that was totally fine so we're adding in some stuff to make that more of a game in and of itself but. Um, yeah, like that was really exciting because that's what we need. We definitely need people in there who are going to be uh, judging all of these people. Excellent, excellent. Sean, you have an incredible story, <laughs> and there's a lot going on at Firehose Games, but I think it's time we get down to brass tacks and we oh, talk yeah. about the nerd-appropriate fantasy football league. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> let's see what's oh, happening. Boy. Yeah, I know. This, is, this will be great. <laughs> It's actually this week is a is a great week for you to be on to talk about this. Um, I am currently in third place. You are currently in sixth place. But honestly, there's only two different records in the league. We have four teams that are six and four. Oh, we have yeah. four teams that are four and six. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this. I, and I have to assume the fix is in. We have such <laughs> amazing parity in this league right now. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, and let's see. Let me go check the schedule here. You and I played way back in week five okay let me get over to week five looks like i beat you 100 to 97 in that week so that was a close game yeah yeah um and then uh week six um i i won by three points against dwyer straits but i think uh the most disturbingly um i've never seen something this close I lost last week, week 10, by three-tenths of a point to Karen. What? Oh, to Karen. Oh, it's terrible. 88.1 to 87.8. Oh, that's so brutal. That's terrible. I lost to Matt by .7 that week, too. That was a brutal week. Yeah, it's it was that was a really tough week. It's uh, I got uh, oh and yeah, Hulk smashed uh, Stanley Spadowski. That's like seven tenths of a point. Yeah, yeah. Sandy. This is this is an this is shaping up to be an amazing league. Uh, behold of the glory, Karen's team was seemingly a juggernaut at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, and we finally brought her back into the fold and now Rex's warriors is the one to beat. But yeah, nice with, uh, what does the winner win? I don't know. We, we, we had, have a um, whole bunch of nerd appropriate t-shirts. <laughs> no, we, we'd actually discussed, uh, Matt and I were discussing with Nate Hales once on Twitter that we should just make this totally awful trophy that travels like to whoever the winner is. I like that. You know, like just that. some kind of ridiculously horrible trophy uh, that you just have to keep with you for whatever reason. I like Sacco. Yeah, yeah, anything like that. Um, so the way this is shaping up now, we have just four weeks in the regular season. And then because of the size of the league, only eight teams, we have a two-week playoff. So yeah. right now, I don't even know. Let's see. It looks like the top four teams go into the playoffs. So pretty much like... Of the four, six, and four teams, we would all get in, and then the four and six teams are fighting their way back into it. So this is really shaping up to be a fantastic last four weeks of the season, don't you think? I yeah, this is this is actually really intense. Yeah, anybody is still in it, which yeah. is bizarre to me. I don't think I've ever seen that either. And I've done a lot of fantasy football, and this is 
this is one of the weirder seasons I've ever seen. It's incredible. I love it. It's I mean, like this is exactly what we had hoped for with this league. I mean, the whole like I said before, the idea behind this league was to sort of promote um, fantasy football, not like because we're like into football necessarily. Because well, I mean, I am, but um, just to kind of show uh, our community and our listeners that you can be a nerd about a lot of different things, and like in a in a way, this is a different type of gaming. It actually has a lot of like. D and D and RPG aspects to it, like based on the statistics and who you put on your team, you know. Yeah, oh, it's strategy. super mathy. There's yeah. almost no sport involved. There's a little bit of psychology where you're, you know, looking at the injury reports, but like, yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to bring not... somebody into this league. I always wanted to play fantasy football with somebody who like doesn't watch football at all, but just really enjoys statistics and to see how they would do, just based on crunching the numbers and not watching football at all. Yeah, I'm I'm sure like I I think if you did that if you had an expert, you had somebody like that playing and then you also had somebody who um maybe Ash who doesn't watch any football whatsoever and would just make random choices. <laughs> yeah. Week. I and see who would win and I like I would love to say I could pick who would win that, but I know for a fact I can't. Yeah, yeah that's I think the best all part. three of them would be like, yeah, it's it's great. I kind of want to play next season just to just to give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, honestly, in fantasy football, like you can you can you know be an expert and claim to be a prognosticator, but like nobody ever really knows because there's so much uh, variability in what can happen in an actual football game and what happens throughout the week that it's really anyone's game. And then you can see that now because half the teams are six and four and the other half are four and six. It's, it's really incredible. The only way this could be better is if we were all five and five right now, you know? Yeah. Would it be possible to pick a fantasy team of people that are all like within a certain weight bracket or all had blonde hair or all, (laughs) uh, you would probably have to do some extra legwork to get there. Like I might just do that and make a strange, like (laughs) this team is constructed of only blonde people who weigh (laughs) over 300 pounds. Yeah. Well, I think I call my team Aryan nation. Wait, (laughs) what? This is, it's kind of dark (laughs) when uh i know karen's team karen just like her favorite team was the denver broncos so just you know serendipitously she ended up picking up a bunch of denver broncos players uh including peyton manning and peyton manning has has largely led her team to success these past few weeks so nice yeah, That's... she's had t- she's had weeks where she's won where basically the only person who showed up to play was Peyton Manning. And <laughs> yeah. everybody else was like, I got my shoes on. Do I get a point for that? <laughs> yeah. and, and, like, and still like come away with a win. It's incredible. I got lucky with her when I played her the second time because she was probably too busy to set her lineup, which is completely understandable. So I got I slipped past her pretty easily, thankfully. And I still almost lost. It's like, come on. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I think I beat her one week. Uh, like early on, I think I beat her like the first or second week or something, but yeah, like it is brutal. She's, she's a juggernaut impossible. Like I can't, she was steamrolling us there for a while too. Yeah, absolutely. This league is, is absolutely brutal has played out. Like I have no idea, like totally not the way that I thought it would. Um, we'll see I wish what real football would play out more like this. Yeah. More. Yeah. Like actually have every team be about five and five, you know, but like it never exactly. works out that way. Unfortunately. So let's see. Who are you playing this week? You're playing against uh, Rex's, Rex's Warriors, yeah. who currently is the team to beat in the league. So you, I think the uh, the hopes of the league rests on your shoulders, sir. Um, I'm projected to win this, uh, uh-huh. this week, but I will say this: that's not going to happen. <laughs> every time I've been projected to win, I have lost so hard. I was projected to win uh, by something like 80 points over somebody, yeah. and I ended up losing by something like 13. Um, 
the, the projections are just they might as well be just randomly generated as far as I can tell. Absolutely. And that's the best part about fantasy football <laughs> cuz you just don't know. You got a pretty strong team though. I see you picked up uh Jordan Reed at tight end. Um yep. you have Jamal Charles, so that's good and Wes Welker. Um, yeah. I I with you am suffering with Tom Brady in a different fantasy football league, so I feel your pain, sir. I know what that's I, like. It killed me to drop him in there today. Like yeah. to be like, "Ah, oh, well, maybe uh I yeah, I play in a Matt. family league with Matt. And you know who my backup quarterback is to Tom Brady? Terrell Pryor. Very nice. The same, same as you in this league. So I, I feel your pain. I want to put him in this week, but there's no way he's playing. Yeah, Matt Ryan's not having a good season either. So that's Matt Ryan is like he's really great at throwing interceptions. <laughs> yeah, and he's playing my Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend in real life. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to Nate talk about League of Legends right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Nate will appreciate that because he's in this league too and plays League of Legends. Yeah. <laughs> Nate understands all of this stuff. Yeah. So what's the draft for the next round? Oh, wait, no, that is League of Legends. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I think uh, I think we've exhausted this this segment, but I, I just wanted to point out that how, how great this league is shaping up. And like I said, only eight teams this year. Hopefully we can increase that to maybe 12 or 14 in the following years and maybe get some more of our community involved too. So that's, this oh, is man. shaping up great. Cool. I would love to do like a three-year league. What do you mean like, like a three-year? You could set them up so uh, it plays out over three three seasons. Oh wow! Um, and then so you do that initial draft, and then each year you're you're you lose a few players and you draft a few more players, but you're largely keeping your team for three years. Oh. Um, and then you know it's so so it's more like a league over a number of seasons. It kind of um, sounds like almost similar to like a dynasty league, but like yeah, with, like different kind of rules, slightly different rules. Yep. Yeah, slightly. Cool. Different. It's but it's they're 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 pretty fun. The only thing is you have to make sure every single person is going to play for three years. Because mm-hmm. if you have a dead team, it it go it like everything kind of falls apart. Yeah, it breaks really everything else. Well, the squad we have so far, these eight people, um, seem like they're they're pretty into it. So I'm I'm really yeah. excited. So I want to keep talking about it to acknowledge these people. Thanks to everyone <laughs> that participates, including yourself, uh, Rex's Warriors and Dwyer Straits, who is um. Uh, I I know one is uh, Platinum Fist and uh, the other one is um, Echap. Uh, yeah, Echap. There we go. And then uh, we have some some friends of our own, Serious Business Bobalian for our old listeners. Uh, Matt is in this league, obviously. Uh, Karen Weeks, Beholder the Glory, and of course Nate Hales, uh, Press to Reset, um, our buddy over there, yeah. uh, and of course the Pecan Sandys, our esteemed guest this week. <laughs> um, Gonna fight his way out of sixth place and make it. Into I could do this. Yeah, it's anyone's game right now. It really weirdly is. Yeah, so it's it's really exciting. So if you want to follow along, uh, I think if you search, we play on NFL.com. Just search for the league nerd appropriate, and then you can you can see all of the shenanigans we are up to in our fantasy football league. That is your cool. extended update. All right, we are back with our Nerd Appropriate Question of the Week for episode 129, and uh, we kind of stuck with the theme of indie games and asked you guys what some of your favorite indie games are. And uh, there was like a a landslide answer here, and I'm just going to go ahead and say what that landslide answer was, and we'll still read some of your responses, but a lot of people went with Bastion. A lot of people went with Bastion. So um, the first one on the list is, yeah, Cody (laughs) Steffen. And Cody Steffen says, haven't played too many indie games, but I have to say Bastion. 
music and gameplay were great and the art style was amazing. I think I think maybe that's I mean obviously that's a fantastic game. I think um you know the recency of Transistor I think has gotten people hyped up for Supergiant as well. And they're they're really great guys too if you ever have a chance to meet them at a convention. They're they're fantastic those guys. Really really humble nice guys too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For sure. Uh Nate uh Bushman uh Nate B four eight. Oh, I just read the time. Yes, okay. you did. Yes, you oh, did. zing. <laughs> uh, uh, Nate, Nate Bushman at Nate B says Bastion. Uh, from its music to its gameplay, it's a flawless gem. FTL is a damn close second. I, I got to say, I'm just going to go ahead and throw mine in very quickly. Um, FTL is mine for the past about year, I'd say, or year and a half, whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. But I spent a lot of time with FTL. And I honestly, I'm going to sound really fucking pathetic. I still haven't beaten the last boss. I don't think that there's nothing wrong with that at all. That game, it's a roguelike. It's incredibly difficult. That game. Yeah, I've gotten really close, and, and they're, it gets they're coming so out with a like an enhanced, like an advanced edition. Is going to be like a free update to Steam, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and uh, I I love everything about FTL. The music. Uh, I think the guy that does it, his name is Ben, ben Prunty. Purdy. Purdy. Let yeah. me get the name right. Something like that. Please get it right. Anyway, his music is, is, is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. Ben I, uh, actually, Oh, yeah. There you go. I actually pitched them um, a while ago. I remember, like, as a joke, uh, I was just talking to them, and I pitched them um, that they make a T-shirt for the game, like the official FTL T-shirt, and they sell this, and all it says is, fuck the sun. <laughs> 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 because if you've ever played FTL, you'll yell that a lot. Uh-huh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, oh there's God. something about not to just rant about FTL, but there's something about that game that kind of reminded me of like the games that I used to play a lot as a kid, games like Zork, because there's such this random nature to it, and you have to very you know you 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 may encounter the same thing a dozen times, but still, as you play that game over and over again, you still will see new things that you never saw before, and there is like so much strategy to it, so much depth to it, and um, just it's just a blast, absolute blast. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Justin Banks at Midtown 583 says Bastion. Who doesn't want their every move in the game narrated? That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Shellhead Jr. says, again, Bastion. Every aspect of it works so well. Gameplay, art, style, VO. And my God, the music. One of my all-time favorites, period. I will I will add in something different just to, just to sort of talk about something different. Um, and I will say The Swapper is a game that has been a standout for me. Um, yeah recently uh i'm i am a sucker for for space anything you know so like i i'm on board with with space as the theme of the game but just the uh the concept of of the swapper and the art style like everything was i think like hand modeled in that game claymation and stuff right yeah it looks like some kind of weird like um i think it is claymation actually something like that i I heard i heard the the main guy behind the swapper on a uh, on a podcast, I can't remember. Oh, what you show. had Kelly. Kelly, you asked Kelly about it, right? Oh, was it when Kelly? she was on. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Kelly, Kelly, who's on our show? I'm an idiot. <laughs> there you go. Hey, welcome, <laughs> welcome to Rated <laughs> NA. About the swapper. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, um, Justin, who is uh, Justin? He says, uh, "Hotline Miami" due to the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I've not played that one yet. I've heard so many good things. I just there's only so much time in the day, unfortunately. Sean, do you have a favorite? Oh God! Like this year has been kind of incredible. I mean, it's it, there's been a lot. I, uh, a Rogue list. Legacy, um, Rogue Legacy is incredible. I still play that a lot. It's really fantastic. Uh, Kerbal Space Program. Oh yeah, Kerbal. Um, I have some buddies that are just addicted to Kerbal. They love it. It 
it is next level. Like that game is incredible. It's so much fun. Um, it really like I love what it does narratively, which is basically nothing but like give you a world and be like just do whatever you want, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Um, and then um, oh, for for a game that I don't think a lot of people even know about, but I really wish they would. Um, there's this game for PC. Um, it's not on Steam or anything. I think you have to go to the website to go see it. Um, but uh, it's called uh, Dominique Papelmus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let me see if I can bring up in free shot. But it's um, it's a uh, Dominique. It's it's this. It's a musical. It's a game that is a musical. It's an adventure game musical. So, uh, but it's also done in claymation, and it looks almost like the way I described it is sort of like Eastern European nineteen sixties children's show. Wow! Because it's like black and white, and it's very specific. And you're this detective, and um, every kind. But it's like an adventure game, so it's sort of point and click. And every time you do something or interact with something, there's like a bar of music that goes along with it. So everything is sung. Um, as if it's a musical, and it's really, really, really incredible. Uh, Deirdre uh, Kai um, Productions did it, but um, it's the the game's incredible. I played it at Indiecade. It's actually, I think you can buy it now um, nice. from the website, and and there's a demo. Um, oh, it's on an iPad as well. And oh, it's, cool, cool. I highly suggest it because it's um, yeah, Dominique Papelmousse in it's all over once the fat lady sings. <laughs> um, but this yeah, if so you cool. play it, you'll lose it. The game is so much fun. I feel like with, you know, like you said, with the rise of indies and everything, we're kind of like, it's almost like discovering new music now, you know, like, except you can't go yeah. flip through bins at a record store, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know. And we, we I mean, it's been cool because um, uh, the other thing I, I do with Aton is we run a, um, a, a Twitch live cast every Wednesday mm-hmm. and we just have a different developer on and then we interview that developer while we play their game. That's so cool. So we've gotten a lot of really cool indies on there and gotten to find out a lot of interesting stuff. Like I think actually Aztec, um, which is coming hopefully next year, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, That's sort of this black and white side scroller that's really interesting looking like beat-em-up. But it also has, I think, RTS elements, like strategy elements, and it's crazy good too. But yeah, there's like all sorts of stuff. Um, I really liked Papers, Please. Oh, you like that? (laughs) I heard a lot of fun stuff about that. It just is, I don't think it's, it's like a, it's a game necessarily for me, but, but I, I love the, no. the idea behind it. It really is. It's like a game that teaches what Stockholm syndrome is. <laughs> it really, it's like incredible. Like you do, like you start being like, I'm actually kind of enjoying my job, even though my job is shifting through papers and making sure I can kick people away from the, like doing horrible things. But you start to get it. And um, there's something once you realize what you're doing, you're like, oh, my God, I'm a monster. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I push papers and I am a monster. And there's something that sort of happens. Oh, there's one more that I should mention before I, any before anything else is yeah. this one's totally free. Um, and it's maybe my favorite game I've played all year. Uh, it's called Save the Date. I don't know if you guys have talked. To, I don't think you've talked about it on a previous show. But uh, this game, Save the Date, uh, if you look for it, it's great. It's um, I don't want to say anything about it because if I do, I'll spoil it. Okay. Um, but it's essentially like a little picture game where you're choosing between um, text things and a text adventure. Um, but you're going on a date. And I, that's all I'll say. Okay. It's one of the most incredible things I've played. It, you have to play it. Googling it was just challenging. There's a lot of <laughs> wedding things. <laughs> Let's see, yeah, see if I, I can find I found, it. I found it, though. I think it's uh, okay. paperdino.com. Does that sound, sound right? Yeah, sounds okay, right. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely check those out. I'm going to probably download Save the Day today and, and give it a shot. 
Um, who's next on our list? Oh, we ha- we finally have a, an FTL here. Uh, Daniel Coleman, who's at Lucky Spork, says going to go with FTL because I get lost in that game for hours at a time. Too much fun. Uh, and then finally, Foxy uh, says Super Stardust HD uh, by Husmark. Good for a quick fix game or marathon run, and the soundtrack is awesome workout music. Nice, nice. <laughs> I think like I think this just highlights. You know, like you can just get out there and explore and find all kinds of like great, you know, indie game. You know what I mean? Like pretty much like the more effort you put into looking, like I think the more that you'll be rewarded, like just for getting out there and looking, um, you know, beyond the AAA titles and just exploring and finding all these new developers and indie games and kind of like unusual experiences that you can find. Like I know that just from you know, from the couple of PAXs that I've been able to go to, like that's always been the highlight for me is discovering things I've, I've never heard of or seen before. And, um, I, I, it's just incredible. Like what is possible? Like, like, you know, this whole idea of small teams and, uh, laser focused ideas and stuff like that. It's just, it just kind of blows my mind. That is really cool. It is. It's a neat time, you know, it really is. Very cool. Um, Sean, is there, I know we talked about all this stuff, but is there anything, uh, anything that you want to plug where, where people can find you or, or keep up with the, uh, the incubator news and, um, yeah, stuff like that? Um, we're a uh, fire at firehose games on Twitter and, uh, firehosegames.com. Uh, we previously made two games, uh, go home dinosaurs and slam bolt scrappers, which you can find on steam. And, um, yeah, just keep following. We have a whole like lot more information we're going to be releasing over the next couple of months. Um, so I think it's probably worth following us if you're into indie development and that sort of thing. This is only the beginning. It is. It really is just stuff. the beginning. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sean. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun for me too. Thanks for having me. Awesome. On. We will, we will have you back soon to hang out and talk Sweet. about sweet fantasy football and all sorts of other <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Anytime. Happy to do it. Awesome. 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 Thanks, man. As always, you guys can find us on Twitter at NerdAppropriate. You can email us all directly. That is Ash, Scott, Hillary with one L, and Matt at NerdAppropriate.com. And this was episode 129 of the Rated NA Podcast. We'll see See you guys guys later. We are here with hold on, one, take two. <laughs> you got to intro the show. I know. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it's been like a week, Scott. Come on. Okay. This is episode 129 of the Rated NA podcast for the website, nerdappropriate.com. We are here with a special guest, Sean Baptiste from Firehouse Games. If I said it oh. wrong, I said Firehouse. Oh, no. It's Firehouse. Oh, no. Firehouse Subs is down the street from me. <laughs> is that what you had they for lunch? delicious sandwiches. <laughs> so here we go.